Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with false gods as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Isaiah chapter 46. Now in Isaiah 46, we get a sharp contrast between God, the true and the living eternal God that created the heavens and the earth, and the false gods that these people were worshiping. And the tragic thing is these people were the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had turned to idolatry. And as you read the prophecy of Isaiah and of Jeremiah, they are crying out against the idolatry of the people, warning them that their continued idolatry would bring upon them the judgment of God, using Babylon as his instrument of judgment and that they would be going into captivity as the result of their idolatry. You remember Jeremiah cried out, for my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn out for themselves cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water. Men will worship something. Men will believe in something. They must. Every man has a God. But there are some religious systems that hold no water at all. They just do nothing for the people who believe but bring them into captivity. And so God's cry against the people. Now, it is interesting in some of the most recent archaeological excavations, they're in Israel above the springs of Gihon, on that section of the hill that comes down that was known as Ophel, which was the site of the ancient city of Jerusalem in David's day and on through to Hezekiah's time. There in the houses that have recently been excavated by the archaeologists, Houses that were actually destroyed by the Babylonian army. Houses that have laid in ruins for 2,500 years. As they uncovered the stones and the rubble of these houses, within the houses they have found multitudes of little pagan gods. The gods that the people had worshipped, the gods that the people had turned to. And thus we find, actually by the archaeologist's spade, just tremendous confirmation to what Isaiah is saying as he is rebuking the people for their worship of the false gods. Now he speaks concerning two of their false gods, and they had many. 
Bell boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy laden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. And so he speaks of their worship of these false gods. But he points out a, a great truth here, and that is their false gods became a burden. Even the cattle strained under the load of them. For as was the custom, the false gods would be brought out of their temples or out of their centers of worship, placed upon carts, and driven through the streets on the various festivals and holy days in which they worshiped those particular gods. Sometimes they would be borne by the men on a platform as they would walk with the poles on their shoulders. Now these things are not totally uncommon today. There is a holiday in Mexico for the Virgin Guadalupe. And you can go down on that holiday and you can see them as they take the statues of the Virgin Guadalupe and put them in these glorious chariots or, or carts and all, and they'll carry the Virgin Guadalupe through the streets as the people kneel and bow and genuflects and so forth uh, and worship the Virgin Guadalupe. So these things are not totally unfamiliar, even in our day. But they were very common in those days. And here the people of God, who should surely know better, have turned to the worship of Baal and of Nebo. But in reality, the worship of these false gods constituted an interesting uh, study because these gods couldn't even carry themselves. They had to be carried by man. And in man carrying them or in the beast pulling them, they became a burden and they bowed down and stooped those who tried to carry them or bear them along. Now, in contrast to that, God declares, hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all of the remnant of the house of Israel. Now, here's an interesting verse because the remnant of the house of Israel would have been those from the northern kingdom who, when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom, fled down into Judah. So there was a remnant. When the northern kingdom fell, there was a remnant from each of the tribes that escaped and came down to Judah and became a part of the southern kingdom at that time. The rest of them were dispersed by the Assyrians into the various parts of the world, but many of them from the various tribes came and settled in Judah after the Assyrian invasion. So the remnant of the house of Israel which are born by me in contrast to these people 
bearing their gods or carrying their gods, God declares, I am carrying you. And I've carried you from the womb, and I will carry you till, the, till you come to the grave, until your gray hairs, your old age. I am he that carries you, for I have made you, and I will bear you, and I will carry you, and I will deliver you. And so the true and the living God, rather than having to be carried, will carry you rather than having to be supported, will support you. So it all depends on what kind of a God you want. Do you want a God that you have to support, or do you want a God that will support you? Do you want a God that you have to carry, or do you want a God that can carry you? Do you want a God that will bring you into captivity, or do you want a God who is able to deliver you? And this is the contrast that has been made between the false idols that the people had turned to when they had turned away from God and the true and the living God. Now, God said, to whom will you liken me? Now, they had made their images of their gods. They had carved or they had made their molds and, and poured in the hot metals and had their molten images or they had carved the likenesses of their God. Now God said, if you were going to carve a likeness of me, what would you make me like? What kind of a figure would you make? What would be the likeness? What would you liken me to? Or to what would you try to make me equal? Or to compare me that we may be like? What kind of a comparison can you make with God? That is, anything that we know on the human level. What are you going to make him like? If you're going to start to carve him out, how, and in what, are you going to carve him out like a man? When God is a spirit, where do you start? In carving the likeness of a spirit. Now he again speaks of how they had made their own gods in various, and have you seen some of the, the, the idols of these gods? These carvings that they made and said that is God, these carvings that they bowed down to and worshiped, these carvings that they had built great temples for. Have you ever seen uh, idols of Diana? She is supposed to be God. Many people worshiped her. The multi-breasted Diana, breasts all down the front of her, and she is God, the nourisher of life uh, in a symbolic form. And so they say, that's God. And, and, and so they worship this image or idol of Diana or Ashtart. So God said, what are you going to make me like? Now he is talking about their making gods, for they lavish gold out of their bag. And they weigh silver in the balances. And then they hire a goldsmith and he makes a god. And they fall down and worship it. Now, he was made by a man. And yet the people are so foolish as to fall down and worship it. Imagine, he makes a god. Men make their own gods. Somehow within the consciousness of man, innate within, there is the consciousness of God. And it is just a part of man's nature to worship. So that you'll find in Every culture, even the most primitive cultures, 
There are forms of worship of God or of gods. And in most cases, men have made gods after the projections of themselves. If I were God, this is what I would do. This is how I would do it. And so they make up their legends of their gods. And they have superpower in hunting and great cunning abilities, and, and they worship that. Down in the jungles of South America, where the primitive people do not wear clothing, and when the storms come, their bodies are cold and shivering. Some of them do not make permanent dwelling places, but are nomadic. Now, these people in their minds think, if I were God, I would live in that tree because it's so big and strong. And when the wind comes and the rain descends, it doesn't seem to be affected. It doesn't shiver with the wind like I am shivering. So if I were God, I would be in that tree and I would live in that tree. And so you find them worshiping a tree and they have trees that they have set out for special worship. That's God. Or the full moon that gives light in the jungles at night. And so you'll find them out in the full moon, arms around each other in a circle as they do their little dance and then their little chants as they are worshiping their God. For if I were God, I would ride there in the moon and I would give beautiful light at night, the silvery light through the jungles and so forth. And so they worship the moon. Now, the Greeks had interesting concepts of God. And they're expressed in, if I were God, I would live on Mount Olympus and I would look down and I would see these men down below. And those earthlings, those mortals would not have a chance with the beautiful maidens that are there for I would use my supernatural powers to charm them and to bewitch them and, and, and I would take advantage over those mortals. And, and so you have your various concepts of God that men have created in their own mind. So here's, here's the interesting thing. He makes a God, and then the people down, bow down and worship it. And then they bear him on their shoulders. This is our God. They carry him on their shoulders. And they set him in his place, and he stands in his place, and he doesn't move from it. Yes, they will cry unto him, yet he cannot answer them nor save them out of their trouble. And yet people worship these things that cannot move, cannot respond, cannot talk to them, and they worship them in lieu of worshiping the true and the living God. That's the tragedy. People say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, they don't believe what they mean is in a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them and sent his son to die for man's sins. They don't believe in the true and the living God, but they believe in God and they have a God. 
but they refuse to worship the true and the living God who is able to help them and respond to their needs. And instead, they are worshiping gods that cannot be of any help to them whatsoever, but will only bring them into captivity. They worship really the gods of pleasure so many times. But you give your life over to pleasure and you're going to end up with lust. So many people worshiping the God of the intellect. You give yourself over to the God of intellect and you're going to end up with pride. So many people are worshiping the God of power and their whole life is dedicated to the power principle and they end up with greed. So God speaks out about these false gods. They cannot answer you. They cannot move. They cannot even carry themselves. Now remember this, God said, and show yourselves men. Just bring it into mind again, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none other. I am God, and there is none like me. For I have declared the end from the beginning. There is no God that is able to declare the end from the beginning. There is no religious system outside. Well, there just is no religious system, really, that has been predicated upon the ability of God to declare from the beginning what the end of the matter or a situation is going to be. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. At that time of Isaiah's writing, there were prophecies that still had not been fulfilled, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. So God has already established what shall be that cannot change. God said, I will do my pleasure. Calling, and now he refers uh, back to chapter 45 where he said that Cyrus, the king of the Medo-Persians, would be his instrument in releasing the children of Israel from their Babylonian captivity. Now that's 150 years before Cyrus was born. That's why God is declaring this. Hey, I... There's no God like me. I'm declaring you before it happens what's going to happen. I, I'm naming the fellow before he is ever born. He doesn't know me, but I'm calling him by his name. And his name is Cyrus. And he's going to allow you to be released from your captivity. And so referring back to that prophecy of Cyrus, he said, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes my counsel, from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass. I've purposed it, and also I will do it. Now you go ahead and read the history, and you'll find that God did do it. He purposed it. He did do it. And Cyrus was the name of the Medo-Persian king that gave the decree that the children of Israel might return from their captivity in Babylon giving unto the children of Israel that permission to go back and to rebuild the temple. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, 
and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And so God promises that their salvation, their righteousness will be placed in Zion. Now in chapter 47, God speaks of the judgment that is going to come against Babylon. Now this is before Babylon ever conquered them. But God has declared that Babylon shall conquer them. But because of the treatment that Babylon gives to the people of God, she herself, though used as an instrument of God in judgment against his people, will also be brought into judgment by God. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks and make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. For thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame shall be seen, and I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. He's going to meet them as a God in judgment. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 46 through 47 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you and keep you in His love and in His grace. May the Lord cause you to abound in every good work for Jesus Christ. And may the Lord grant to you new dimensions of relationship with Him that you might become more keenly aware of His presence with you and His power to help you. May God bless you. May you have just a fruitful, blessed week walking with Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. 
And right now, the Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.